Dearborn Science supports the Department of Health and Human Services COVID-19 education campaign. We can do this. Efforts to increase education and awareness about COVID-19 vaccines, whether due to language barriers or lack of access to healthcare. Many Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, and Pacific Islanders face unique challenges to getting accurate vaccine information. We hope that amplifying these resources, especially in other languages, will help reach and protect our most vulnerable communities. Please visit vaccines.gov for more information, and that's v-a-c-c-i-n-e-s.gov. Welcome to the Dear Bronx Science Podcast. My name is Victoria Lee. A member of the Bronx High School of Science class of 2012. Through this podcast, I share stories from the Bronx Science community, so that each of us can write a letter that starts with "Dear Bronx Science." Thanks for spending some time with me today, and now let's meet our guest. I'm excited to have you for this episode because we have another student here on the podcast. We have Samama Muntaha, class of 2021. I'm really excited to have her because she reached out to me to write an article for the science survey on Dear Bronx Science. So if you haven't checked it out,、um, a link will be、um, pasted into the show notes. So I'm happy to have Samama to share her perspectives from as a current senior at Bronx Science, as well as all of her varied involvements. Um, in media, from Wolverine TV to Science Survey. So, Samama, can you give us a introduction to yourself? Yeah, of course. Hi, everyone.、Um, I'm a senior. I'm Samama, as Victoria already said.、Um, yeah, I'm just I'm a very entertainment-based kind of kid. I love editing and I love working with videos and just being creative, especially in a school that's reputably very. STEM and maybe the first thing that comes to people's mind is not creativity,、um, but I love it and I just am so happy that in anything that I can do as a student, even within school or even outside of school, that I can be creative and do all these things that really help me channel that inner artist.、Um, so as Victoria said, I'm the I'm part of Wolverine TV, so I'm actually di- the director of Wolverine TV. Hey, this is Victoria coming in for a short break. So with this episode, you're gonna hear some audio splits. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, but other than that, you're still getting over 95% of the episode. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now back to the show. An incredible opportunity, and it really means a lot to me. And I'm just happy to do a lot of these things that really have a special place in my heart. Thank you for the introduction, and I want to ask you this question, but it's a bit of a modified form of what I usually ask to. Other guests, I usually ask them what did it mean for them to attend and graduate from Bronx Science, but you're, you have not—you're almost there at graduation, but not quite there. So I want to ask you, what has it meant for you to attend Bronx Science? Attending Bronx Science really opened my eyes to how much power you have in choosing what kind of paths you take,、um, because obviously I don't know how it is in to be a student in different high schools, but at least in Bronx Science, one thing that really I would say distinguishes it is that there are so many different opportunities for just you to take the driver's seat and figuring out what you do in terms of making your own clubs, making your own teams, and just really catering to any and every interest that you have. So just being a student that could literally witness that and not only be a member of all these different interests and passions, but also have like leadership positions in them,、um, it really allowed me to understand that. 
even within bronx science or even outside of bronx science there really isn't an, an excuse to not delve into any kind of interest or passion that you have and that's one of the most important things that i picked up from bronx science is something that i'm really grateful for it's that you really are in the driver's seat of figuring out who you are and what you want to do with your life even at a time where that probably doesn't even make any sense like i don't 100 percent know who i want to be or what i want to do um, but I know what I like and what I don't like. And I think that's so incredibly important to know, especially as you're graduating. I feel like being a senior at some point, it'll feel like there's a ticking or a clicking. Oh my God, I don't know how to say it. There's like a ticking time bomb. Yeah, and you just, <laughs> you need to know exactly what you're going to do in life. Um, and I know that's true, but at the same time, sometimes I panic and I'm like, that's not true. If I don't know what I'm going to do now, then I'm just never going to know. And that's going to come to haunt me. And, um, I think it's so important to be able to have those experiences and opportunities to just at least dip your toes into the water and start to understand what it feels like to be in different circumstances and different career fields. And Bronx Science really allowed you to do that with clubs um, with a lot of their like, career events with the Alumni Foundation. Um, so I really got to experience that and witness that. And that is something that I am so grateful for in Bronx Science and something I'll probably miss going into college. Mm, no, that's no, that's really great to hear. It's like, I feel like your answer is not what I don't know if I would have given that answer when I was at your age, because I think when I look back to my time at Bronx Science versus my time in college, I think a lot of what you've experienced so far <laughs> At Bronx Science, kind of what I experienced in college, like I was braver and I was I had more courage in college to explore more of my interests. Whereas at Bronx Science, I was like, okay, I'm going to do what I think I should do, what I think is probably the best, which like led me to do join clubs, which then I realized I actually really did like. And then it turned out that, um, you know, I, I took on leadership positions, but I think it was in college when I really got to explore interests such as in food, like working on a food truck and starting a food club. So I think it's really great that you already had this level of maturity and understanding of what it is that you yourself like to do. Because at the end of the day, it's your life. And it's how it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's not like, you know, your friends, your parents, your peers, your others, like other people who, who dictate how you feel about your life. It's, it's yourself. And I want to ask, um, were you always interested in media? How did you, how did you find this interest in how, how did you get started? Or was there more of a bit of an exploration before you got to this, you know, perfect, not perfect, but like, you know, this concoction of things that you are interested in that you are now involved in? Sorry. So I didn't know I liked media. I didn't know I liked entertainment or I didn't even know. I, at that time, I didn't edit anything in my life. I didn't even work with videos. So I had no idea what it was like to be in that kind of scenario. Um, but as a freshman, I used to, every Thursday in homeroom, we used to always watch Wolverine TV, um, which is the school's broadcast. And I didn't really pay too much attention to it. That Those 10 minutes in homeroom was really when I like got in my last bit of homework or was studying for an exam that I didn't study for before. Um, so I knew of it, I knew of its existence, but I never really cared about it too much. Um, but one of my best friends on the train ride home one day, we were freshmen at the time, um, she was talking about how Wolverine TV had open applications, um, and she really wanted to join with her because she didn't want to apply alone. So I told her right off the bat, I was like, no. Um, so I said no, and she would ask every single day on the forward train when we'd go home. And at some point, I got annoyed, and I was like, you know what? 
fine, I will apply with you. Um, with I was completely expecting to get in. Um, I was like, I'll just apply with you so you shut up and it's just gonna, it's just gonna happen. Whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. So I applied. I got called in for an interview. So I passed the first round of applications. And then I asked her, I was like, when's your interview? And she was like, turns out I actually emailed it to the wrong person. And I didn't, I wasn't offered an interview. So I was like, oh, shoot. Oh. So you didn't get an interview. You didn't, so you're definitely not getting on the team. I got past this first round of applications. I don't know. This might mean I might make it to the team. It might, make, I might mean that I like call it off. Do I say, never mind, I'm not interested or something came up. Um, I had I was at the time the only sophomore with a segment, and that was because I shared it with a senior. So that was, I think I'm pretty sure that was the only reason I even got a segment at the time. So I was introduced mm-hmm. to being on film, and then obviously we also had to edit. So I started getting introduced to editing on my own, and I loved it. And I loved how interesting it was, and how you could really transform any of your ideas into a reality because literally you have all the power with video editing. Um, And I also loved being on camera. I loved that suddenly a lot of more people knew me and they were interacting with me and I got to know them. And on the hallways, you're just walking and being super casual, minding your own business. And then suddenly everyone like knows you and they want to talk to you and they want to ask you things and they want to like say, how did you do that? How, how was, how is it like being on camera when you've never been on camera before? So I liked I liked that experience and I loved obviously editing and the power that it gave me. So that's, I think, the very first introduction of the world of media to me. And I loved it. And ever since I was trying to get into different internships and little programs here and there that really allowed me to edit and show other people that I can edit and show other people that I have digital creativity um, and just getting more experience in it because it's really never ending in what you can learn in that field. And it's, it's so much fun. Mm. No, I think, no, I, I asked you that story. I primed you for that story as I knew that was the story <laughs> of like, and I think it's so funny because, you know, you at first thought you weren't interested. Your friend kept on pestering you to join. At the end, you're the one who ends up on mm-hmm. team and you're probably like, thanks, why am I here? But okay, <laughs> if you want to get closer to Wolverine TV, but I think it's, it, it's so cool how it blossomed into such an interest and has like, you know, it took root with Wolverine TV because your friend made you join and then now like spread to like, you know, the science survey and you're involved mm-hmm. um, as like an intern and, and another um, at the Paley Center for Media. So it's like, it's just, I think it's really cool to see how something that seemed so, you know, harmless has, you know, has taken up such a root in your in your life. And um, um, before we go a little deeper on Wolverine TV, I wonder, could you give us a little, like, you know, understanding of what Wolverine TV is? Because there's some alums who didn't have Wolverine TV, I'm sure. I don't have much of a memory <laughs> of Wolverine TV other than I submitted videos <laughs> to Wolverine TV because I was trying to recruit students for something. But can you help us understand what is Wolverine TV now at Bronx Science? Yeah, that's actually a good question because it evolved a lot even since I was there and I was only on Wolverine TV for three years. So traditionally, I would say when I was a sophomore, um, what we what it was really about was just talking about different events happening in the school and like getting some of the students together for participating in like fun challenges every now and then. Um, but the main focus of Wolverine TV was to just highlight some of the school events that are happening and maybe recap what happened previously just to show that 
like the school community is united and we're doing all these different things to bring students together. And it airs, it's, it airs in a form of an episode. Um, and it's every Thursday during homeroom. So I don't know if you guys remember homeroom, but 10 minutes you go in after third period with your homeroom teacher, homeroom class, and you just watch Wolverine TV. And then when that's over, you just, you go back to your fourth class. Um, so I would say it evolved a lot because now it's a lot more entertainment-based in the sense that it really does feel like a TV broadcast. It's not necessarily just news. In fact, I would say that the news portion of the episode is actually the smallest portion of the episode. So we start off with anchors. They introduce the news person. They say what to expect for the following random rooms in the, throughout the school and just literally recreate every scene that was in that trailer. It was extremely cringy and sometimes it was like ridiculously awful but it was a lot of fun and sometimes it actually came out impressive that was the part that really interested me interested me about Wolverine TV and editing because it showed that and it was something that Wolverine TV never did before we didn't really have at that time when I was a sophomore we didn't have any like truly entertainment based segments um, and then following that we had so many more um, and people are doing now as a senior, I know we have a lot of segments that are just based on um, cooking on the show. We have Delish with Krish, where teachers and students literally just cook, whether it's macaroni out of a box or a whole like actual meal, like we're literally just cooking. Um, and we like get together with clubs and do little games and challenges and things like that. It just shows like how fun and diverse in opportunities and backgrounds that the student community is and teacher community is. Um, and it's it's a lot of fun. Mm, no, I've seen, I definitely, um, no, I think that's really cool that like, you know, you guys have done this pivot because I, I imagine that now that things are virtual, like, you know, this, you kind of had to, you know, you know, pivot. You can't exactly broadcast school news in the school, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, where can our listeners find Wolverine TV? How can they watch it if they want to see some episodes? So we have a YouTube channel. It's called Wolverine TV. Um, and yeah, all of our seasons since the very first season is on that same channel. Yeah, well, listeners, I'll have a link to Wolverine TV also in the show notes as well. And um, so, Mama, something that um, what you you said that you were like filming things like in the school, and like what that reminded me of was how when I was um, a student, some someone who's like in Spanish class like wrote me in for their class because they had to film a video. Mm-hmm speaking in Spanish or like with music and like we were just like running around the school filming scenes as well so like no like you re- you bring up that memory like brought that up for me <laughs> at Bronx Science. Enough a lot of the people that aren't shy have class during ninth period so we can't film them um so it's just it's it was really frustrating and it looked ridiculous just seeing us running around with tripods at ninth period every single day just being like do you want to be in Wolverine TV do you want to answer this really quick question um, and we were trying to negotiate with them, literally. We were like, like, you won't be on camera too long. And there are people that we literally downplayed Wolverine TV to get them on. We were like, a lot of people don't even watch. or People don't pay attention. It's fine. All you need to do is answer this one question and no one will even know you answered it. So that was really, that was how our ninth period every day looked like. Mm. No, yeah, I can imagine that. It's like you want to have, like, it can't just be your faces on the on Wolverine TV so you had to find other people involved and I'm sure to also interview them it um I'll send you that video that I submitted to Wolverine TV it's also on YouTube 
as well like it's still there and like i i was also running around just to ask people like hey can you be part of this video i'm making like i just need you to say this question on there as well so I'll, I'll send it to you hopefully you'll get a laugh at what maybe in the past people submitted <laughs> to wolverine tv and um I, i'd be curious like let's i'd like to also talk about the other things that you're involved in so like you know um science survey you also said aim project like what's the other thing that's really important to you um in terms of the things you're involved with so I guess I could segue into the science survey, um, which is something I joined because the English department, the English department in our school, I would say, has these flexibility in the types of courses you can take. Um, like in freshman, you have like one course. In junior years, when you have two courses you can choose from, and then better, two or three more courses you can choose from. Um, and that's compared to like math where you have literally like 14 cor- courses you can choose from every year. So when I heard of journalism, I really just wanted to take it so that I can write in my own style and have more flexibility personally with what I was writing. Um, and it was a very impromptu like decision that I made because we had to take an, like a placement exam of some sort. You have to write an essay. Um, and then Mr. Thorpe, who's the advisor, at the moment he will read through all those essays and then he'll choose who gets on journalism so the day of the essay the i think the period before 10 minutes before you were supposed to sit down for it i was like you know what let me just take it and if i don't want to take the course i'll just like drop it um so i did that and i got in and i think Mm -hmm. it's so unique because it really does like prepare you for professional lifestyles. It teaches you not just how to sit down and write an article. It teaches you how to conduct interviews, how to communicate with people, how to take really high quality photos and expensive cameras. And I'm not going to lie. I think that's kind of my favorite part. Oh my God. You automatically get like this. You have this power to just talk to all these different people and ask them about their lives personally, what they're doing outside of school and what they're doing that nobody knows about. And then suddenly one day you open the newspaper and you're hearing about your closest friend and all these things they do in terms of like owning a business outside of school, what they do with their family. And it's not because as a writer, you're not just things about even their closest friends. Um, And that's a whole different feeling, just being able to offer that to people, Mm -hmm. which is why I love journalism because you're writing all these articles and you're, you're talking to all these people they could be established alumni, they could be famous people that reach out to you with only one sentence in an email, but still you get a quote from them and that's incredibly cool. Or you can be talking about students that otherwise we knew nothing about and thought were reputably ordinary, mm-hmm. but now you know all these things about them and they're they're extraordinary. There's someone you never really thought of in that perspective before. And I think that's, that's so amazing. Mm, I think... A lot of what you were just saying about how you feel when you're sharing a story about someone on the newspaper or just like, like you said, they might otherwise seem ordinary, but when you share their story, they're actually quite extraordinary. I think that's, that's, that's a lot of what fuels me with Dear Bronx Science of capturing people's stories. Like there are some people, a lot of people in the early episodes, as I said in the article, are people from my class years or close to it because I wanted to first interview people I was familiar with as I got started. But um, it, it was, it's the same thing. It's like, I thought I knew them, but I actually didn't quite know them at the same time. And just hearing their stories, like, for example, Bhargava, who I interviewed and also mentioned in the article, I, like, 
didn't realize, you know, what he was going through in high school where his Intel project almost failed. Like I had no idea. I just thought he was a super smart kid. Like I had no idea that happened to him or that he failed his first year of medical school and had to redo it. And then this ended up making, inspiring him to be a mentor to others who are in similar situations. So I think I, I, I wish I, I wish I like understood this interest of mine earlier. So it's really great that you are exploring this while you are still um, while you're in student, while you're also able to share with the entire school with the, like the science survey as well over in TV. So I think, um, I think that's incredibly <laughs> amazing that you're able to do that. Like what you're hearing? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So thank you for your support. Now back to the show. How has it been for you as the editor in chief for the science survey? I think it's it was incredible in the sense that you read all these. It's based on getting students' opinions on it and your opinion on it. Um, so that's the same theme that I read in every article that I had to edit. It was just they're going to talk about something, and the main thing that you should expect is that they're going to ask for opinions from other students or other teachers. Um, and it was, it was amazing because everyone has their own writing style and it was really interesting to read how everyone kind of just created their own story. But at the end of the day, it was a little bit predictable just in the sense that I knew what I was supposed to be expecting. And that's that was also part of my job. I needed to know that it fit into that role, that it was, in fact, an editorial article. Um, so it was a little bit predictable, which I think made it a little bit less interesting um, but now as editor-in-chief, that's not the case anymore. I read articles that are spotlight, that are arts and entertainment, that are edit- that are features. And I, obviously, when I'm opening an article, I can, like, I'm supposed to know what I'm supposed to be reading. Like, it tells me on my spreadsheet. Um, but sometimes I would just be like, you know what, I'm not going to figure, I'm not going to know. I'm not going to read that part yet. I'm just going to read the article on my own and kind of, like, be surprised or guess what I was, what it was trying to be. And I think that's the most amazing and fulfilling aspect of being an editor-in-chief is that you're able to read something there's obviously all that creativity in your specific writer's style um so you're 100 percent surprised that you you find out how they write how they mold their story um, and then you also don't know what to expect because you don't know what section it's supposed to be in in, this, in the newspaper article so it really is kind of like a game and it's really interesting and um, I don't think you're supposed to be seeing it as a game when you're editing an article, but if I need to read it twice, I will. But it's just, it's so much better and so much more fun just not knowing and being able to kind of figure that out on yourself, by yourself. It's, I highly recommend, if any editor-in-chief ever reads this, I, I would recommend that you don't know what kind of article you're reading and then kind of guess. And if that means you need to read it twice to figure, to make sure that they're following the guidelines and read it twice. But it's, I promise you, it's a thousand times better. Mm, yes. Like I see that a reader would just, I guess right now people are people getting, people are not getting physical newspapers. They're just reading it yeah. online. So they could just, <laughs> I guess, you know, like flip, but like really just click in a random link. And like they, mm-hmm. they it's not going to be necessarily obvious which section or what kind of article they're reading. So if you can figure it out without knowing, like that's basically best simulates the reader's experience is what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to, you know, bring this larger point that you and I discussed before we started recording, but I really want to give you this opportunity to talk about it because um, for the listeners, if you 
I mean, you probably should have noticed this, but Sonoma does not <laughs> seem like your typical Bronx science student. Um, we're not talking about science research project or all the various science classes. We're talking about Wolverine TV, science survey, all these different journalism and media and and like a way for her to express herself artistically through you know, capturing stories and the news. And I think I think that's a really important point that Samama, I'd like you to, to highlight for yourself. That when I was a middle schooler applying to what school I would go to, I was choosing between Townsend Harris and Bronx High School of Science. Um, and I didn't know anything about Bronx Science. I didn't know anything about Townsend. I didn't really care about these two schools. I was like, at the time wasn't a big deal to me. I was like, oh, it's just another public school. Um, now I know that it was extremely important and I probably should have taken it more seriously. I don't regret not taking it seriously because I ended up in a great place. Um, but looking back at my mentality, I'm horrified at myself. And I just, I'm very surprised that I just didn't, didn't care for putting in the time and effort into researching schools and to finding out what I would experience in each of them, or what I should expect to experience in each of the schools that I was accepted into. Um, so I just remember sitting down and my dad was like, so which one do you want to go to? And I was like, oh, I don't really care. And he was like, you need to make a choice because that's a really important decision. And I was like, okay, Bronx signed. I heard that, like, I heard that sound uh, that name so many different times that sounds better so let's go for that also i took an entire test for it so let's just go with that school that must be better um so spoiler alert i ended up going to wrong science um and i didn't i don't know why it didn't occur to me but i know it's literally in the name but hearing i it never occurred to me that i had to be a stem student like now going back i'm like why wasn't i a science kind of geared student um, but I wasn't, and I was doing things, obviously as a freshman, you don't really have a lot of flexibility in what kind of courses you can take. You you just take the foundational courses that all the other freshmen are taking. Um, and then as a, like I, the one course that I could choose on my own was chorus, and I joined that. That was the one course the entire day where I felt like I was in control of what I was doing that day and what I was doing with my academic time. Um, so I loved that part of it. Um, and then obviously I ended up joining Wolverine TV and I loved seeing, I couldn't, we have a lot of theater productions and drama productions um, that I couldn't join because it was a time commitment that I couldn't give in, but I just watch and show that I'm, I am serious about science, that I fit in in the STEM school and it wasn't a mistake that I was placed here. That was exactly what went through my head. So I took AP Bio as a sophomore. It was my first AP that I ever took as a high school student and I did terrible in it. Um, I don't think I really passed too many exams. I didn't, well, I passed the exams, but I didn't do very well in them. Um, and I took a very, very long time doing the homework. Um, and I wrote so much notes. Like I spent a lot of time in my notes and I spent a lot of time studying and I really put in the effort. But at the end of the day, when I took those exams, when I handed in those projects or when I was giving those presentations, it wasn't the best presentations that I could give because I, I wasn't interested in the topic and it didn't click in my head. And that was when I realized that I can get away with passing science courses. I can get away with like taking the courses and just showing that I understood the bare minimum and I understood what you needed me to understand. But I couldn't excel in the way that you wanted me to or you expected me to because I just wasn't interested in it. Um and 
I talked to some of my friends and some of my friends are the complete opposite and they were like, I love science. That's why I went to Bronx Science. That's why I went to this reputably STEM school. I could ex- like I can explore every little science passion that I have. And I also had people that were more like me or at least similar to me in the sense where they're like, I'm not really a STEM kid, but I am a humanities kid. Um, and I was like, I'm not really a completely arts kid. And I'm not completely a humanities kid, but I'm a good in between. I just know that I'm not a complete STEM kid. And I don't think I'll ever be a STEM kid. Um, I do like math. And I do. I feel like in that case, I can't exactly say I'm 100% not a STEM kid because I'm in love with math. And I feel like math, like being able to solve math and then have that like feeling inside of you where, where you're like, I just solved this entirely complicated problem with ease. Like that's a beautiful feeling. And I feel like that's a very nerdy thing to say. Um, but it's <laughs> it's definitely something in me. So maybe I'm not 100%. Oh, I'm not STEM or I'm not like academically rigorous in that field. Um, but I'm not the stereotypical kid that is in love with every little inch of STEM that I thought I would have to be coming into the school um, and I think I'm doing just fine if I'm not mistaken I will be graduating in a couple of months um, and I did take quite a bit of science courses I took more math courses than science granted um, but I also was able to balance it with all these like media and entertainment opportunities and expression opportunities and and just creativity courses and it prepared me for things that just aren't within classroom walls but also in life and in professional life which I think isn't to an extent even more valuable you can really I'm just grateful that I was able to acknowledge exactly what made me happy and what I was comfortable doing um and at the same in on the similar note recognize what I wasn't comfortable doing so I wasn't comfortable just taking a bunch of AP classes in science um and I just I think that's something really important it's it's to Admit to yourself that sometimes what you're expected to do or what you think you're expected to do might not be something that you're comfortable with, and that's okay. Um, I'm glad that I took AP Bio because it like completely told me that you might not want to take another AP Science course in your life, or at least I did. I'm taking AP Science course right now, but it's a lot different. Um, I'm taking AP Environmental Science, and that's literally just geared towards show like studying how our world is today and seeing the different things we can do to make it a better world. And so it's, it's not like memorizing things. It's not like really studying years of histories in science. It's just exploring the world we have today, which is a lot more up my alley, which is why I think I could take. I'm not putting myself in that position again, ever. And I'm so happy I was able to do that. And like, I know a lot of people aren't in that same mentality or same mood. They're like, yeah, I wasn't able to do AP Bio. It wasn't the most interesting course, but I want to take another AP Science course because that's what I'm expected to do. And I feel like if that's something that you're going through, snap out of it um, and understand that that's, that's something you don't need to do, something that's that will cause more harm on the long run. Um, so just figure out what you like to do. If it's If it steps out of what you're expected to to do or if you think it's going to harm you because people are going to look at you and be like well you took this opportunity to go one path and you went the other way like forget that it it can actually like work wonders for you and it also makes you stand out because 
at the end of the day, there are these opportunities to explore something else and someone's got to fill up those spots. So be that one person to fill up those spots and then show that you took an opportunity, twisted it or maneuvered it to fit your own shoes and then like make the best out of it and you will come out so much stronger and so much more happy and comfortable and not in tears when you see scores that you're not expecting to see from yourself. So, mm-hmm. No, I, I'm just doing a lot of nodding. No one can <laughs> see me doing this. I think like it's really great you've already have this come to this understanding of yourself because it reminds me of another guest that I had on the show, Frank Chang. And he, he mentioned that it's important to be genuine with yourself. You don't feel like if you're lying to yourself, it's going to end up biting you in the butt. Like his example was, if you're telling yourself you want to be a doctor, but you really don't want to be a doctor, it's going to be harder to keep that lie going forward. Like, do you want to keep taking on the pre-med? Oh, no, you're going to need to apply to medical school. Do you really want to go through medical school if you don't want to be a doctor? And I think it's it's a really important lesson to to learn what it is that you're interested in, being honest with yourself and pursuing that versus, like you said, like you took the AP bio class and realized maybe, you know, maybe all the science is not for you. Um, but I totally agree on the AP environmental science apes. Um, I, I didn't want to take any AP science class, but I thought AP mm-hmm. environmental science was a better fit for me. So I did kind of a similar route that you did. I remember um, Dr. Mankiewicz, I don't know if she still teaches, but like she's a <laughs> phenomenal teacher. Never mind. Never she's heard of any. Not, not once in my life. <laughs> so I guess maybe she's no longer there, but she was a really great teacher and um, I thought I was going to be an environmental scientist when I went to college, and that's what I applied for. But I changed my mind, and like you said, changing your mind is totally fine. If what you came in, your expectation changes, like it's it's totally fine. And um, also, Samama, before I um, wrap up the episode, I want to give you opportunity. You know, are there any other areas of what you're involved with, or even classes um, that you want to touch on? I know in the beginning we talked about you know you're involved with the AIM project. I also saw on your LinkedIn that you're involved with Big Sib. So is there anything else that you want to touch on at the end of this episode in your experience? I guess I'll just end off with Big Sibs because that's something that has been cool like wrong science. And obviously now I know that that's not what's supposed to happen. And I, I didn't end up following that route. But a lot of freshmen will enter with that same mentality and they won't really know how to escape it or they won't know how to feed into their passions in a way that balances their academic excellence with their passion-driven resilience. So just being a big mm-hmm. sip really helps you, one, teach them that right from the start. Be like, you are going to explore as a freshman. You're going to figure out what you're supposed to do, quote-unquote, and what you want to do, and you're going to find a way to balance that. Or maybe even for some of you, in an extreme case, completely fine to just have these, have your dreams your initial high school dreams kind of on this rocky road because you don't know what's going to happen and also tell them that this is it's where you're going to find yourself and you're going to start questioning yourself and challenging yourself and and I'm not just talking academically I'm talking about in terms of self-discovery and I feel like those are things we don't really take the time to really understand or um, at least delve into as a freshman um, so being a big sib that's exactly what I got to do mm-hmm. I, I got to sit down the freshman and be like this is what I wish I knew when I was in your in your position. This is what I actually did know. And this is probably what you know. But this is what you should think about and take some time to just question because it will really help you in the long run. And also just show them that there are people that aren't going to be completely ignorant of what you want to pursue or what you want to talk about. And there are people that are very like fun and loose and flexible and willing to listen 
Um, I remember when I was a freshman, there were no seniors that I could remember that were very, like, nice or, like, willing to talk. Or, like, just will- – like, apart from our big sibs, they sat every Monday when they had to. But, like, no one really, like, went out of their way to sit with you and be like, like, how are you doing? Do you need any help? Which I didn't really expect at the time either. But I found myself – obviously, we're in virtual – we're in a virtual world right now. But I find myself doing that this year because that's something I wish I had as a freshman. So – being a big sip really allowed me to understand and really sit in other people's seats and just find out what other people would have wanted and be the person that I wish was there when I was in their seat. So, and that's something that's super important, not just as a student, but as you grow older and anything that you do, you should really always understand what it looks like from someone else's perspective. And being a big sip was what really helped me understand how to do that and not just that it's needed. So no matter where you go, I would say that's one advice that I could give you. It's the first thing you should do is stop and try to understand what it feels like to be in their position and their shoes. And that's regardless of whether or not you're a mentor. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think, no, I think that's really, like, I'm really glad you touched on big sis, because I think that's definitely really important now for freshmen to have, because especially in a virtual environment, they don't really know <laughs> what to expect. They don't really get to see how the school functions. But I think, Everything you also you also mentioned about mentorship, I think, is super super important. Um, um, right now the episode's not out, but for listeners, the episode might be out. But we do have an episode coming out called um, um, "From Annabelle, Class of 2013," where she talks about mentorship. I think that might be up by the time your episode's up. But she also talks about the importance of mentorship and what she gained as a first generation student having mentors help her um, succeed. So I think that's really great that, you know, you got that experience and it's important just like, you know, always think, you know, what's it like in their shoes? How can I help them and be of assistance to them? Cause you know, you wish you had that support as well when you were in those shoes. And um, I guess to close off the episode, I want to ask you the question. So this podcast is called Dear Bronx Science. So I want you to pretend that you're writing a letter to Bronx Science and you just address it, Dear Bronx Science. How do you want to finish it? What do you want to say to Bronx Science, whether it's the literal school, your fellow classmates, future students even, or even alumni? Like, how do you want to finish the letter, dear Bronx Science? Oh, that's a really good question. So I would definitely put in a thank you and gratitude for having all these different opportunities to explore anything and everything that you wanted to. And even if there weren't opportunities there, you could literally make your own clubs and your own teams to to explore it. So there was really no excuse to delve into or at least challenge any and every passion that you had. So that's my biggest thank you to Bronx Science for having that and for not depriving students, just trying to find that I could see student leaders having a little bit more I don't want to use the word power just because power is a really important word, but ability to just make their own decisions in transforming the lives of students. And what I mean by that is as a student, you will know exactly what will help you, what will help your hasn't worked and what people say will. But with that being said, which I understand because we're in a public school system, there are a lot of rules and regulations as to what you can do, what you can't do. Um, but I feel like that that really didn't allow students to use their use their position to the greatest potential and and really make a change in everyone's lives because there's all these things about you need to 
see how this looks like when you're comparing it to another specialized high school. So, for example, like, what are you doing now and how does that look and compare to what Stuyvesant is doing? Mm-hmm. So that's not outrightly, like, explicitly said, but it's something that's always in the back of everyone's mind in terms of administration. And, and there's a lot of regulations as to what you can do, like how you do something, um, what you can say you can do, um, what you can say you can do, but what you can actually do. Um, so I feel like that that was that took a lot of oomph away from being a student leader. And then even when elections roll around every year, it's like mm-hmm. these people say to do something, but then in the back of the minds has so much potential in changing people's lives that I just wish that student leaders had more ability to just use their experience and use their like social network to just transform the lives of both themselves and their peers and their teachers because they they know exactly what could what needs to happen to make that happen Mm. no yeah i totally totally hear you and i think that's that's like you know that 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 theme also happens like in college or when you go <clears throat> work in companies and I, but i think like as like a potentially like silver lining way i think from you speaking with you and julian here about bronx science i i think it's changed quite a bit since when i was a student so i think like the change may not unfortunately happen when you are a student but i think it it might happen in the long run for future students so i i i think you know it's definitely it's a it's a challenging topic because you, as the student, you definitely have lived through the experience and know what can be improved. I think, you know, having that spirit of, like, you know, continuously, you know, like, I don't know, I guess being a squeaky wheel or like making your words and thoughts known, I think it's important to um, enact any change wherever organization you are at. Um, so Samala, thank you so much for being on the episode today and um, and sharing your experience. And I think I, it was really great for me to hear how you are not a typical science student. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for tuning in to hear this story from the Bronx Science community. Follow us on Instagram at Dear Bronx Science to stay updated on new episodes. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, fill out the form linked on the Instagram page. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for a new episode.